Hello from the ABC Music Talk podcast. In this episode, we talk innovation in one segment of the music industry, which, knowing the story, I hope inspires you all to keep an open mind about what is possible. But first, a quick reminder to go road to your videos. Rota is for artists, managers, labels, or anyone in the music industry who needs to create video content for promotion or monetization. Rota makes it fast, easy, and inexpensive to do all of that in one place. Head to www.abcmusic.co and click the Rota logo on the homepage to access a 10% off discount for the service. Now, for a while now, I felt like innovation seems to have taken place largely in the software confines of Silicon Valley by people barely into their 20s. So when I first heard how my guest got his business off the ground, I thought it was the perfect story to tell, to make sure we all never stop thinking about how we can innovate. Welcome to the show, CEO of Aston Microphones, Mr. James Young. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Was was that that a good enough introduction? You like that? That was great, thank you. (laughs) Very good. All right, so uh, we are doing this over the, uh, the internet uh, we had planned to do this in a physical meetup uh, once upon a time, but there is a, a current pandemic in the world. This is the year 2020, and uh, we are uh, all confined to our houses, uh, which is, uh, you know, making some of these things slightly more problematic. But fortunately, we live in a world of technology, and so uh, we can get around some of this stuff. But um, the reason why James and I were going to be able to uh, meet up in person is because he is based in the UK, and I believe the only UK-based microphone manufacturer. Is that correct? We are, yeah, absolutely. Making the actual product in the UK. Yeah, that's fantastic. That that doesn't seem to happen anymore. Like... No. <laughs> and... no. It never really did. There's been, I mean, Calrec, Calrec obviously made mics back in the day. And, um, you know, there, there is a ribbon mic manufacturer. Coles are made in the UK, but, they're, but they're, that's all they make is the ribbon microphones. But outside of that, no. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? I mean, I think what's important that comes from this story of yours is the fact that you're able to do it and it's down to the way that you've innovated around how you make your microphones so that's a little setup there for the uh, the story to come um, so uh, <laughs> I think <laughs> well that may come through too I'm not sure yet we'll, we'll yeah. see we'll see which version of the story you tell um so listen listeners to the show uh, they know a little bit about my background I'm not typically in studios or at least not as a sort of an engineer or a producer or anything like that but um so how i came across this is i was interviewing um harry lexstein from uh tile yard education uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's appeared on the show before and after the interview he invited me down to the uh, perf- performance area that they've got in the the brewery that's next to the the education center and uh, somebody called henry walks in uh who is one of your members of staff and he sort of comes he, in, he sort of comes in and he and he's got this bag and sort of like with a big grin on his face pulls out two boxes puts them on the on the on the table and uh, uh you know and harry sort of looks at him and goes oh great your eyes lit up and he sort of picks the boxes up scurries off next door and locks them away and then comes back and and during this time i sort of said oh you know hey henry and he sort of makes a joke about being far the christmas which i thought was excellent um and uh, and, and and he told me this the story about how he met you and as soon as he told me i was like oh, i've got to get this guy on the show this is fantastic this is exactly the oh, sort yeah, of yeah you met a gig right yeah yeah exactly of course yeah. well it's the music industry this is how we do it um so, uh, so so i'm gonna hand the mic over to you to tell the origin story there's a pun in there We'll get to the pun later on. So, so come on. I, I, I like the way you reminded me of how we met Henry. Henry's one of our artist liaisons, and uh, 
we gate crashed a, B- a Bruno Major gig backstage so that we could go and give him an engraved mic and get him on board as an artist. And that's how I met Henry because he's one of his mates. That's amazing. So we ended up networking and, and then he came on as our artist liaison. He's now over in Canada, actually. Um, he's gone back to the family over there. He's, he's, uh, uh, yeah, he's Canadian um, by birth. So he's gone back over there during the course of the coronavirus, but he's working for, for us remotely. So oh, wonderful. Extending our family. <laughs> yeah, no, he, uh, he, he told me all about his uh, his musical background, a, a, a thoroughly uh, lovely individual. So well done on yeah, hiring him. Actually, all, all, I think nearly all the people that work with us, for us, are musicians or involved in the industry in some way, DJs or, or engineers, or whatever, you know, so it's not whatever, you know. <laughs> so that sounded bad. <laughs> engineers or whatever. No, but um, everything's involved in some way, so it's nice. It's a really kind of, uh, it's like being, being in the office is a bit like being in a music house, you know, so it's it's pretty cool. Anyway, I digress, sorry. Yeah. So, okay, so the, 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 I want you just to tell the story and then what I'm going to do is kind of, there's bits that I know that when you tell it are kind of important here. So so just just tell the story like you normally you normally tell it. You know, what was your background? How you got into it? How did you start the company? Well, I, I, I have a background in microphones that preceded the four years that I've spent doing Aston. Well, actually, officially four years because that's when we launched the products. But, of course, we didn't suddenly have products in our warehouse with, with no background to it. Um, the the brand actually was conceived uh, at the beginning of 2015, and about a year later was when we we, we launched the, f- the first products. So we spent about a year developing the actual brand idea and all of the assets for the marketing, the first couple of products and the ideas for the next tranche of products, and then released um, it released early 2016. The the background before that was I, I, I guess that you you know some of the people listening will be aware of a company called SE Electronics, and that was a company that I founded with my one of my current business partners, Phil Smith, um, back in 2002. So it's now, what does that make it? 18 years old. Sorry, my brain's not functioning very well. Um, yeah, it's worth saying uh, that you're you're a little bit sick at the moment, aren't you? Hopefully nothing too serious. Hopefully nothing too serious. No, yeah. a bit croaking, a bit of a bad chest. So, yeah, but uh, so excuse any coughing fits. But, um, yeah, so we started SE Electronics back in 2002 with a guy called Sui Zhu, who was our business partner out in Shanghai. And we spent 12 years of our lives building that company and designing a lot of the products, um, certainly from an R&D point of view in the UK and marketing point of view. Um, We did all the marketing. We did all the sales distribution. You can tell where this is going, can't you? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we walked into uh, a meeting. We had very – I spent about three months of every year out in China and Shanghai um, helping to run that business and – you know, doing development and whatever when I wasn't in the UK or traveling elsewhere, setting up sales. And we took that company from being basically nothing to a 5 million-ish turnover company. And then we went over there for just a regular meeting back in 2014, myself and Phil. And uh, they, the management out there, Sway and his daughter, had hired a um, a hotel room, which was really unusual because we normally met them at his apartment or at the factory and, you know, went out and did loads of stuff together. And anyway, so, um, yeah, I walked into the meeting room and promptly got told that Ling had been made CEO, which was uh, um, a bit of a surprise to us being 50% partners in the company. And uh, the first thing she did was say, thanks very much for getting us to where we are today. We don't need you anymore. And it was literally a case of contracts torn up. They walked out the door. And that was it. So we, with 12 years of building a company, ended with us coming back to the UK and our lawyers saying to us, well, you can try and fight it in Shanghai if you want to. 
Uh, you can, you know, you can throw some money down a big hole if you want to, or you can just suck it up and start again. So it, it literally bankrupt us. We had to put two companies into administration and start from scratch with absolutely nothing. And that's where Aston came from. Goodness. Goodness <laughs> gracious me. That is utterly incredible. Um, actually, that might... a success story, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's actually slightly more detailed than I've heard before from previous interviews. So, uh, mm. yeah, goodness me. What, what a traumatic thing to go through. Um, but um, so, but I mean, one of the one of the things that kind of uh, stood out to me from from the inter- interviews that I've I've seen of you um, is this sort of very unique approach to design and innovation, both in terms of like the, the process and then the sort of the finished product, which then has a mm-hmm. has an impact on on that design and, and also the price point that goes out into the marketplace. Um, yeah. And and a key piece of this, which is you know all over the website, uh, which I'll put in the show notes, uh, the Aston Thirty Three. Can you tell us a little bit more about kind of that concept there? This uh, it's it's funny. I don't usually talk about the background of where where the brand came from, why we ended up doing Aston, like I've just done. I mean, it's very, in fact, I doubt you'll find another interview piece online with me talking about that one to one. You know, I've I've discussed it with people, but it does actually help explain. Um, how the whole thing came to be and why it came to be the way that it did. Because we had our backs against the wall when we started this company. We were not a bunch of kind of, you know, middle-aged rich people that had just decided to do this as a hobby or something. We were we were properly on our uppers. Um, but what we did have was an awful lot of friends in the industry that we'd worked with for a long time on a previous brand. And, um, and so, I, I, you know, rather than publicising what had happened, I mean, I doubt very much anybody that's listening has heard that story before, uh, we, we really just wanted to get on with it and, and prove our worth independently of the thing that we'd done before. That was that was all that was important to us. No no recriminations, no angst, nothing like that. Just get up, stand up, dust ourselves off and do it again, but better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so basically, I spent about three months glued to the telephone calling one producer, engineer, artist after another, after another, after another and telling them what I've just told you. And pretty much to a person, nearly everybody, I think there were one or two people that kind of distanced themselves from it, but nearly everybody went, oh, my God, that's awful. Anything we can do to help you, we will. And they did. Um, because, you know, normally if somebody says, oh, if there's anything I can do to help, you know, it's typical if you split up with your missus or something and, and your mate says, oh, you know, if you ever need a sofa, but you don't actually go and take the sofa, right? <laughs> um <laughs> But um, we were we were kind of bouncing off the walls, thinking, how the hell are we going to get out of this? How do, how are we going to start something up again? And then it, it suddenly struck me that we had been given this opportunity. We'd been we'd been given an opportunity to do something that nobody had ever done before. All of these top producers, engineers, and front house guys and artists were saying, anything we can do to help you build this microphone. And I'm like light bulb moment yeah of course these are the best ears in the business that's way better than having a couple of lab coats you know and and electronics engineers building the product let's get these guys to be the ears on the project and help us design the science sound of the microphones so the initial aston 33 was me doing another round of calls (laughs) and saying actually yes you could help us this is what i want to do and in the end it happened to be 33 people that joined the first test panel which is why it's called the aston 33 
And they were some of, they are, I should say, some of the biggest names in the industry. You're talking about people like Chris Porter, who was George Michael's uh, engineer and producer for uh, about 11 years. And he worked with David Bowie, people like that. He currently works with King Crimson. Um, Rick Simpson, who's done the last five Coldplay albums, and so on and so on. I mean, I could keep listing names, but you, you get the idea. These are These are all top people in the industry. And uh, the way that we organised the, the the construction of the product in the first place, so we're talking about the Aston 33, but we should go back to the, the actual build of the product as well because it came from a similar place, the innovation, the innovation there. But from a sound point of view, what we did was basically get a bunch of different capsules, test them out by putting them into exactly the same chassis with exactly the same printed circuit boards so that the capsule was the only variable. We did the same thing in reverse where we chose a capsule and we changed just the printed circuit boards and the design of how we, of how we were contouring the sound of the mic. And then we would keep the same uh, innards and we would change the chassis to see how the chassis was affecting it. And at each stage, we would record various different male and female vocals, various different instruments, usually keying them on guitar, but other stuff as well. And we would send out numbered files. So all of these guys, all that they got was a package, a zipped package of audio files labeled one to five guitar, one to five vocal, one to five blah, blah, blah. And they had to load them into their Logic or Pro Tools or whatever, listen to audition them, and then basically come back to us and say, oh, I like number two best, and then blah, blah, blah. And so order, rank them in the order of their preference and then give us anecdotal notes, subjective stuff about what they thought about it. So we had a guide as to why they liked stuff and why they didn't. Um, and we went through numerous rounds of testing for the Origin of the Spirit, the first two products that we built. And by the time we got to the end, uh, we did a final vote, and 90% of the panel well, what's that? About 30 people, I think it was, out of 33, um, chose the same uh, the same iteration of the origin and the same iteration of the spirit. So when you've got 33 people who are that high up in the industry going, that's the mic that we like, and it had already beaten, by the way, a whole bunch of other competitor mics. I mean, all, all of the big names. And we threw everything in there, ranging from NT1s all the way up to U87s, and the origin and the spirit had beaten all of them throughout the tests. Wow. Um, so when people say to us, how is it that you get all these magazine reviews which are saying this is a $3,000 microphone for $300? Well, that's the reason, because the, the people that were testing and developing the audio only used those big, expensive mics. And so they were able to help us make our little inexpensive mics sound like really big, expensive ones. And that's the whole secret of the audio behind the brand. I mean, that, sorry? I was going to say, I mean, the, the, just that, that whole piece of it is just so incredible. From a sort of like... It, because really what you're doing at that point is you're you're uh, innovating and iterating on the, the, the concept of uh, research and development. And you, you've just taken a, such a almost a fairly simplistic like route to it. But I mean, I mean, that is obviously clearly very different to how other people do it. Right. It's completely unique. Nobody else does it that way in the industry, in any branch of the industry. The closest that you get is software beta testing, I guess, you know, but we're not a beta test. We don't have a beta test panel. These people are helping us develop sound right from the start of the project, not at the end of it. And um, and it's the, it's the same deal with the, the way that we actually build the mics. Now that Aston 33 panel, we've got six more than 600 top producers, engineers, front house guys and artists on the panel, wow. all really high-end people from across the world. And on the last product, the, the Stealth, um, which is our kind of, you know, SM7B type microphone, the, the large format di uh, dynamic mic, um, we had 120 people from the panel actively involved in doing the listening tests. And guess what? We won a tech award. You know, we won the Oscar 
of our of the technical side of our industries in year four we've been you know in four years we've been nominated twice we won best in show for the nam show uh, in the third year and then we won a tech award in the fourth year so that's no other company in any area of pro audio has ever done that before let alone a little mike brand from the uk yeah so, I mean, i've watched a few kind of product reviews uh i guess from when it first came out and uh and, and genuinely people are reviewing this just going i don't know how they've done this like, I don't get it. Like, this, it's yeah. just packed full of features. I mean, I've just bought three of them. Um, unfortunately, I'm not using it on this interview because I need to uh, upgrade other parts of my kit to make them work properly uh, because I'm just, I'm such a cheapskate. Um, <laughs> this whole podcast is so amateur. It's incredible. But it's going to get more professional uh, from here on in, James, uh, largely thanks to you. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like the fact that, you know, that particular mic that, that you're talking about there has got four different voices built into it. It's got the, uh, the, the, the sort of what's, what's the extra bit that, the, 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 so, so with, with something like an SM7B, you've got to have an external device, which gives you extra gain. Normally people buy a cloud lifter. Those things are about 150, 160 pounds. So when you buy the mic, you've actually got to still spend another 160 quid before you can make it work. Yeah. But ours is actually the first dynamic mic that has that built in with an auto phantom power detect so you plug it in and if it doesn't detect phantom power it works just like a normal passive dynamic and if it does de detect 48 volts coming to it it'll automatically build, uh, boot up the built-in preamp and you get 50 db of extra gain yeah so it's uh, yeah there's a lot of technology in that mic yeah lot. no it's, it's incredible and also purple lights uh, which, yeah. which, you know, but 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 this is this is all part of that design thing. I mean, that's the sort of stuff that you know, kind of nerdy people like myself absolutely adore. You know, it's like that's it. Can't believe don't do this shit because because the manager always kind of going, no no no, we can't. We've got to keep it straight down the middle. You know, so it's not really a company being able to do that kind of stuff for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but that, that's that's the audio. That's how we actually make the mic sound so good. It's it's the panel of people that we work with. We really did literally hand that entire process over to them and we said right at the beginning we're not going we're not going to interfere with the results whatever they say is what we're going to do which was quite a scary thing um and i always kind of um the, the way that the ethos behind the brand if you if you think about how we develop stuff it runs not just through the audio side but the the architecture of the mic the marketing everything and i think the difference is that when you look at any other brand out there in any industry not just ours you always have this conflict between three areas of the company when you're in research and development for a product, marketing, sales, and engineering, right? Salespeople want a product that costs 99 quid and does absolutely everything, or 99p, or whatever, whatever band it's in, right? A marketing person wants something that does one thing. It's either completely unique or it's the best in the world by a country mile, so they just don't have to think about it. They just go, this is what it does. And engineers want to build space rockets, and they don't give a damn how much they cost. <laughs> so you somehow got to get these things to come together. And um, we very early on disconnected all those parts of the business. I kind of sat on top of each bit and watched what was going on, but there wasn't really any dialogue between those those areas of our company. So the audio was done by this group of producers and engineers. The electronics was done by a, a, a separate team. And then the architecture of the mic um, was not done by anybody that had ever touched anything like a microphone before. It was Jack Monroe, um, who's a brilliant young architect and product designer, um, but nothing to do with our industry. And he was the one that used to come into the office and go, look at this spring that I've got. That would make a really good you know, headstock microphone and we were like yeah that'd be really cool you know so and we made it work um 
why the mics ended up looking so different. They looked like architectural pieces, and we were able to construct how mics have been built before and develop something completely new. Partly, again, coming from the background that we were backs against the wall, we had to we had to come up with something new because if we design design microphones that physically looked and were constructed the same way as all of the other microphones on the market, and they all literally all of them are made pretty much the same way. You know, you've got a mesh headstock which fit, fits onto a chassis with the electronics inside and, and everything from an SM58 all the way up to a U87. They're all basically the same kind of build form and ours isn't. Um, if we'd have done it like the others, then we would have just been more expensive and made in the UK and we wouldn't have been doing anything exciting. So yeah. we, we had to um, look at things like not painting the mic to save money, but it made us innovate by coming up with the tumble chassis, which is environmentally friendly, harder wearing, looks better, etc. And that goes all through the microphone. Yeah, I, I love how you talk about this, by the way. I, it's, it shows um, somebody who genuinely cares about what they're doing and has incredible product knowledge. And it was kind of it, it was kind of one of the points I wanted to make. So I, uh, I interviewed a friend of mine who's the CEO uh, and founder of a company called Centric. It's uh, a new-ish publishing company. It's about 14 years old. The company he started while he was at university. And he, when I interviewed him, he told me the, his kind of origin story, if you like. Uh, and it, it's, he described this kind of moment where they took... Um, a friend of his was in a publishing deal and they took that contract, put the kind of key commercials on a whiteboard and then just reversed everything. And, you know, that was, I mean, that's, you know, that's a young person who's at that time, uh, you know, looking at this kind of thing of like, how do we do this differently? People don't seem to be very happy with the way publishing works. Um, and, you know, th that sort of naivety, I suppose, allowed him to then build this company around 28 day contracts rather than 28 year contracts, you know, it's that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And, but, that, but, you know, that, and that's, you know, I think when, you know, as part of my opening, you know, that kind of Silicon Valley thing, you know, it's where it's like people just do stuff, move fast and break things and all that kind of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. But then the way that you've come at this and the way that you've kind of embraced innovation is you already know how everybody else does everything. So therefore, you now know how to be better. And I just thought that was an important point to make. I think, uh, yeah, I th that's just a really interesting way of looking at it. I think there's several factors. Naivety is a really good one when you're starting something, although that has its downfalls. And I could tell you something about that as well. Um, desperation is another one. <laughs> you need to do things differently. Um, it's, it's, if, you, if you're pushed into a situation where when you look at it, there is no viable way of doing it the way that everybody else does it and being successful, then you have to do something different. And that makes you think outside of your normal parameters. It, make, it makes you think differently. Um, and that's one of the biggest drivers, to be honest with you. Um, but also we wanted to, we had another driving factor, which was we, we'd spent a long time building products out in China and, and we were getting disillusioned, not only with that relationship for obvious reasons, you know, culminating in, in the split, um, but also with the whole building stuff in China, like everybody else is, shipping it all around the world. It, it became something that didn't feel like it was ours in the end it wasn't <laughs> but it felt it felt too dissociated from what we were trying to do it wasn't close enough to us and we we really wanted to build products in the uk we were actually trying to do that with our previous company and our partners out in china wouldn't let us bring you know even do any high-end products in the uk which actually we should have been a big warning flag as yeah. to what what was coming down the line but anyway um hindsight is 2020 <laughs> Yeah, but it, I mean, it's, it's, again, it was the best thing that could have ever happened to us because there's, there's no big 
um, microphone brand in the UK. Well, there is now. Yeah. Um, hey. This opportunity landed in our laps of, you know what? We get to be, unbelievably, considering what an important influence the UK is on the international music market, we get to be the guys that give it a voice, literally. We get to, we get to be the people in this moment in time that gets to be the mic brand, if we do it right, that is used all over the world and built right here, which is just so cool. Yeah, it really, <laughs> really is. Cool, man. So yeah. there's a lot of things that inspired us to, to push this forward. But the, the naivety was really quite useful. You say that we knew everything there was to know about microphones, and we do know a lot about those products, but we didn't know how to build what we were going to build. And we got very, very lucky with the origin of the spirit. We got, and we didn't realize. I was talking about this on uh, online yesterday. We oh, had yeah, you, no... did a, you did an AMA, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I somebody asked me product to build. And I, I, thinking about it, the, the products have got successively more difficult to build as we've understood more about what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and what we got away with that could have gone wrong with the origin and the spirit right back at the beginning, uh, I have to kind of just go, well, there was some karma going on there because we should not have been able to build that product with as little understanding of what could have possibly gone wrong with it. Yeah, but... You know, it went right. I, th- and, I think uh, that, I think a lot of people have that kind of luck element in some, you know, if they're building companies, you know, there is just serendipity yeah. that kicks in at some point. Yeah. Well, we did, the thing was, right, we did, where, where we got lucky was things like we didn't have the, the Aston 33, completely accidental idea that ended up being a stroke of genius because, you know, we, we've ended up with the best design team in the world that you could possibly ever have. And as a company, if, if an established company could not possibly go out to a bunch of really high-end professional people and say, oh, <laughs> designing this product for us free of charge. Because they just get told to get on the way, you know? <laughs> But because we were in that situation, because we'd had what, what had happened to us happen, because we had personal relationships with these people, they were really pleased to get involved and help us. And, and of course, they're incredibly passionate about the brand. So we've established ourselves really firmly in the high-end market as something that every studio and engineer has got to have. Um, but yeah, it's just. Um, but yeah, when we did when we did the origin and the spirit, um, we didn't really understand um, the iterations of tooling. So when you tool for a product, you just think, okay, so we we design the product, we make the tool, we get somebody to make the tool for it for casting whatever you need to cast or, or you know whichever bits you've got to do. So there are the various things like the the top caps and the bottom caps on the origin and the spirit that we actually have to have molded and tooled. And normally you can go through three, four, five iterations as you keep adjusting and readjusting. We didn't have the money to do that because a single tool costs 50,000 pounds. So we had to kind of design the mic on paper, build it out of bits of, you know, aluminium foil and <laughs> old spanners and bolts and things. So we had these Quasimodo Frankenstein mics that didn't look anything like the finished product. And what we signed off on as a finished product was the correct audio on a breadboarded, which is basically like an external printed circuit board with all the bits and wires and stuff everywhere linked into the microphone um, using a chassis that wasn't the final chassis using parts that hadn't been molded yet Um, and when it all came together it worked perfectly (laughs) and the chances of that happening were pretty much zero um, with hindsight so yeah it's uh, it was very fortunate we were very fortunate always round yeah it's amazing um one of the other things that you you mentioned in one of the interviews, which I just wanted to ask you about, and I don't know if you want to talk too much about it, but just because I think um, as you innovate, 
in any sort of business, you, you typically start to tread on other people's toes. And I've seen this a few times sort of in, in the industry that, that, you know, the parts of the industry that I typically have spent my time in, which is digital distribution. And uh, I heard that you had you had a few run-ins with some companies that tried to do some sort of fairly underhand stuff. Is that is that accurate? Or not? Let's not mention names here, but yes. Uh, of that- course, yeah. We had um, well, a good example was we had a very well-known, very big brand that operates um, in a market area which is just slightly underneath where the origin is. So you know you're talking about the sub two hundred pound condensate products. There's there's lots of them out there, so that's not giving too much away. But when we started distributing into the United States, we we came across a number of retailers out there that had been sent emails unbelievably i mean that was the stupid thing um and it indicated a wider problem from this company saying if you do business with aston you're going to lose your account with us now this was a big brand so for these companies losing you know uh, let's take figures out of the air but losing a million dollar account for the sake of a ten thousand dollar account you would think they would have all just walked away and gone, well, we sorry, sorry, guys, we can't stock your product. But fortunately, a couple of them came to us and went, we're not down with this. This is not fair. Here's the email thread. <laughs> wow. So we went back to this company and said, um, here's the email thread. We can do this the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> that unbelievable. They had to back off. Because it would be anti-competition in the USA. That's a federal offence. It could have it could have actually landed people in prison. Um, and you know, it, 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 but you're dealing with that stuff. I mean, we had we had distributors that we'd previously been um, working with who were who were shut down um, from us working with them again. All sorts of stuff. All sorts of underhanded stuff going on. And uh, and you know, the way to deal with it is to just do what we did with the brand when we had to move away from the last one is to just rise above it. That's all you can do. I mean, there are certain instances where you can actually do something to stop it, like with email. But in general, there's so much stuff that you don't know about that's going on. There's a lot of anti-competitive stuff out there that um, that people just aren't aware of. <laughs> deals with different suppliers who are who are effectively excluding other smaller suppliers, binding customers into contracts which force them to buy a certain amount to get to get certain discounts which means if they move their attention away from that brand to stock another two brands then they'll lose the big discount they're getting on the big sales so there's there's all there's lots of stuff like that that goes on that's not very palatable and we just we just keep doing what we're doing we're not we're not a big company we turned over we just finished our financial year and we've we've turned over three and a half million pounds which is amazing for four years but it's less than 10 percent of what some of the big guns do yeah of course Um, so we we exist on on our family out there, our extended family. It's why we call them the Aston family. We exist on people's support. We exist on the fact that people are fans of the product rather than just customers. And um, you know that's really important. And I, ho- and I hope that we keep that ethos all the way through. As long as I'm in in reasonable health, we will do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 an interesting point because uh, it was something that. Um... Uh, the guy that I was just telling you about that runs the publishing company, I, you know, I was kind of asking him about like, what did the kind of the sort of incumbent publishing world think of you when you kind of started this very tech based uh, business? And he, and he sort of went, I don't ever give them a second thought because I mean, I don't have enough time to see my wife, let alone, you know, worry about what everybody else is doing. And he, and he just kind of was like, yeah, no, we're just doing it our way and it seems to be working. So let's keep going. I mean, is that kind of how you feel? 
you kind of have to operate that way. You have to have a level of awareness because if you if you go stomping around in other people's territory too much, then they're going to then they're going to exert, you know, they're going to flex their muscles. Um, so you're hoping to kind of keep a high profile with customers and a low profile with the competition, <laughs> which is a bit of a tasty trick to manage. But really, it's it's a, it. We're very key. So if you look at our social media, for example, we often post stuff about other people's brands, positive stuff. I often talk about other microphone brands that I like and I mention names and we repost stuff and we big up those companies because, you know, if you keep those people at least in some way close to you, then it's less likely that they're going to be offended by you having a, a small corner of the market. You know, but that's a very important lesson to all of those listening for sure i i totally agree with that totally agree yeah super important um you've, so, got, to make, you've got to make yourself uh, you know accessible to people and and be the nice guy i think i agree i agree um and you, you touched on uh, this kind of throughout but um i noticed uh, so I, I work with a record company and one of our artists is uh, a young artist called sue generous and he was doing something on the the major stage uh instagram account and i realized that he was he was singing into uh the, the wonderful i think it was the spirit with the the beautiful kind of uh pop shield that you, that you also also build and i was just like oh my goodness there you go and that's an american artist you know that's that's fairly sort of you know niche-ish i guess in terms of genre and so i mean the 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 brand and the mics there is truly global right your business now oh it is and i'll tell you something we never had in 12 years of dealing with 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 the other company is the reach that we've got into big studios and with high-end artists i mean they just didn't have any high-end artists you know and um the the acceptance that we've got because we're we're what i would call a top-down company um, but it's unusual because normally a, a top-down company being you you, you build a, a very prestigious product and then you filter down cheaper stuff to get the volume, you know. So an example of a top-down company in that way would be somebody like VW. You know, they do Porsche. Um, they, they've got Bugatti. They've got very high-end cars within VW. And everybody aspires to those. And then they go out and buy a Polo, which costs 20 grand, you know. <laughs> so, so usually the top-end companies, and a very good example in, my, in the microphone world is Neumann. Everybody and their dog has heard of the Neumann U87. Everybody thinks that's the mic that they aspire to, and that's what they should have. Even though a lot of people in the in the pro world would actually potentially disagree with that now, because there's lots of there's lots of it's a great mic, but there's lots of other mics out there that are as good um, that aren't U87s. But they've got such a cachet from 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 that microphone that the 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 guys that are coming up up from grassroots level think I want my first Neumann, you know. Mm-hmm. Right I mean, my Mercedes Benz is that kind of thing, you know. So, I, so they'll go buy a TLM 102 or a TLM 103, which costs significantly more than something like an Origin. And yet, when you look at the blind listening tests, or if you get somebody to actually close their eyes, put some headphones on, and sing into those microphones, they will always choose the Origin and the Spirit. And uh, that's going to make you smile, man. I mean, come yeah, on. No. It does, but it's also, look, they deserve it. There's a company that's been around for, what, 100 years now? Mm. So they've built their brand with the young whippersnappers. But it's also, it's a really difficult equation to get right because if we go out there in our marketing and say, hey, we sound as good or better than Neumann or, or Telephone and blah, 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 people are just going to look at us and go, oh, well, I won't swear, but you can imagine what they're going to say, right? Um, so it's it, so we have to be in a situation, we're fortunate to be in a situation, I should say, where all of the reviewers say that about our products and we can repost that stuff. But we're now focusing this year on on the whole Aston 33 thing because I don't think people understood how that was possible. And so there's a lot of disbelief. There's a lot of people that kind of go, yeah, that's just marketing hype. And it isn't marketing hype. It's us, you know, having been through this journey. Yeah. 
And so telling this story to people like your listeners is really important because it helps them to understand that we're not just going, yeah, our mics are the best in the world and they cost 300 quid. Everybody can say that. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they really are that good and they really do, don't cost very much. <laughs> I, one of my earliest uh, experiences, I was a former failed musician uh, when I was much younger, but uh, when I was at university, there was a recording studio there. And yeah, there was one Neumann mic and it sort of, you know, it was in its box. And any time it was allowed out to be used, you know, there was a sort of like, you know, a moment of prayer beforehand because this thing was yeah. sort of you know, idolized so much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I was saying here, I remember the first time I ever put a pair of headphones on and sang into a proper mic, and I think it was an 87 up in Liverpool. I was at university there, and, and one of the first bands I had, and I'd only ever used Dynamics into a four-track tape recorder, you know, so I put the headphones on and started singing and just went, holy shit! <laughs> Absolutely, know? yeah. But it's it's nice to be able to do what we're doing now, and I think that the, the biggest satisfaction out of all of them, because there are lots, you know, the UK manufacturing, all of that kind of stuff, the family that we've built with our own team and, and the customers. Yeah. Um, it's just being able to actually really bring something into people's lives who are not, not rich, not famous, and are starting from, from grassroots level, as I said, where they can get the same results as the guys in the big studios, at least from their microphones, yeah. from, the, from the initial recording. Um, but they don't have to spend 3000 or £2,000 to do it. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. It's great. Yeah, it's it's, it's amazing. Um, so, advertorial time. Uh, I can see behind. I don't know if it will come out on any of the, the camera stuff that I'm doing, but I can see behind you uh, to I guess what is your right, my left. Uh, the uh, sort of uh, what do you call that? That sort of shield that goes around the, oh, the halo. The halo. The halo. Yeah, the halo. Yeah. Halo reflection. Yeah. So you got the halo. You got the pop shields, uh, and then the the mic range at the moment. What does that look like? How many How many have you got? The Origin, which we've talked about, the Spirit, which is the kind of the big brother to the Origin. They're actually very different microphones, so we don't do any Me Too mics. Um, although they look quite similar, the, the Spirit being the bigger one, they're, they're completely different uh, printed circuit boards. They're completely different um, capsules. Um, they have different functionality. So you've got the Origin, the Spirit, which were the first two. You've got the Starlights, which are the small diaphragm condenser mics with the laser and the three voices. Also, that's what won best in show in 2016 at the NAMM. Actually, can you, can you, tell, can you tell the laser story? I, I do like that one. <laughs> like all good products, it started drunk in a New York bar. <laughs> I don't need to say any more. We were like, how can we, how can we make a small diaphragm condenser, which is, let's face it, in the mic world, the most boring product you can build. It's got to be a cigar shape, you know, capsule at the end. That's it, right? How can we make this more interesting? What can we do that's not just a gimmick? And it's like, oh, my God, laser. Then we can, you know, directionality for recording. And, and a lot of people thought very early on, oh, that's a gimmick. And then they, and you hear it in story after story after story, in review after review, and with engineer after engineer. They were like, I thought that was a gimmick until I started using it. And now I realise I can't do without it. Amazing. So it was one of those moments. And then the Stealth, which is the one that's just won the Tech Award, um, and the Halo, which is the reflection filter. So it's a small range, uh, four mics, and then and the Halo. But we're working on new stuff at the moment. There will be there'll be, there'll be some announcements soon. Yeah, I'm sure you can't say uh, exactly what it is, of course, because that would that would ruin the big reveal. But um, I mean, innovations in your DNA. I mean, have, have you sort of started to think much beyond kind of microphones and the ranges are you, are you thinking more about any of the, the other parts or are you very much kind of like let's stay in our lane and just do just focus on the mics we've got this for, for a start i think there's very there's a lot to be said for staying in your lane as you put it um uh, i think i said this on the on the you know when i was doing the, the skype thing or the facebook thing yesterday there's a lot of companies out there that are jack of all trades master of none um i prefer to be you know 
it, it, the trade that I'm, that I'm doing. I don't want to dilute it too much. And we don't need to be a big multinational corporation in order to have a good living and a good lifestyle and to enjoy what we're doing. In fact, I would hate that kind of company. I would hate being part of that kind of company. So I doubt very much we're going to diversify into things like speakers and, you know, ADDA converters and all that kind of stuff. But certainly there will be some diversification within the microphone world. And if you just look at studio products, we haven't done a ribbon yet. We haven't done a tube mic yet. Um, there are various other products that we want to do uh, just just within the mics. There are various accessories that we could add into the brand that make a lot of sense in the mic world. And then there are other divisions within microphone um, recording. So you've got, you've got the kind of uh, broadcast division, for example, which is you know, shotgun microphones and the Valiers. If we go into that, that's a completely separate marketing and sales team. So it's a big if. We're not ready to go there yet. And you've got camera mics, which, of course, Road and people like Blue and whatever uh, make huge amounts of money out of, but it's a different industry. Mm. And I have no passion about camera microphones. Um, personally, that would be just an exercise in adding stuff to the portfolio, and that doesn't interest me. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not a musician and I have to love what I'm doing, but you know, I don't know what will happen in 10, 20 years' time when I get to the point where I don't want to do this anymore, maybe, but um, I, I think in the meantime, it needs to be stuff that we have a passion for otherwise it won't come across the same way yeah actually i don't think i uh picked up on that but of course you've got a, a range of guitars behind you so, so you're obviously a guitar yeah. player uh yeah. are you in a band uh i'm doing my own solo projects at the moment and i'm working with my best friend joel edwards um who was also part of a band called deepest blue a quite successful kind of uh pop dance band um and we're so we're doing a project together at the moment as well um, and I'm fortunate enough to be working with some pretty high-end people on that. Um, so <laughs> Steve Bain, for example, is the, who's the MD of the Royal Shakespeare Company's uh, orchestra, and he's worked with Deep Purple and Paolo Nettini and all sorts of people. He's doing the string arrangements for us and, and, the, and the you know recording of real strings for us on the, on the album. And So, yeah, it's cool. Um, been a musician for a long time. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> Now that the company's got to the point where I can spend a bit of time doing something other than microphones, I'm finding I can use my studio more and we're actually, I'm doing more music than I've ever done because it's been, you know, work, 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 work for decades. And now, now, now I'm getting to enjoy it, which is good. <laughs> get, to, get to play with some of the toys that you built as well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Always. <laughs> Unless you're using a Neumann mic, of course. I don't know. <laughs> A man can never have too many guitars. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah, that's <laughs> that is quite an array you've got. That's very impressive. Um, cool. Well, th listen, James. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you doing this. Like, it, it's uh, I, I know you've been a little bit sick, and uh, it's a weird old time that we're in at the moment. So, uh, so you giving me some of your time to do this is fantastic. Thank you so much. Absolute it's an absolute pleasure, really. All right, wonderful. Okay, so uh, so to my listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, as ever, I welcome all feedback, comments, and suggestions for future shows. My Twitter handle is at Alex Branson. Just put podcast DM in a message, and I'll follow you back, and we'll have a dialogue. Or simply go to the website, which is www.abcmusic.co, and you'll find a contacts page there where you can drop me an email. Thank you once again, James. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Take care.